excited? I mean, every single time I walk through that church building or step foot on that property, I, I think to myself, is this really happening? Because I remember years ago, TJ and I moving here and planting this church, knowing no one in this community, and to see what God has done is absolutely incredible. And I hope that you guys are excited to give towards it and to be part of it, because this is as much your church as it is TJ and I's church. So we just want to say thank you just for being generous to, to make this happen. Um, if you guys don't know me, my name is Shayla. I am actually Pastor TJ's wife. Um, I know some of you guys probably think he talks about her all the time, but who the heck is she? You know, because I'm, I'm never over at this campus. I'm always over at our Pompano Beach campus. And so I just want to say good morning, and I'm glad to meet you guys. Um, so Pastor TJ is actually in China right now. Um, he had been invited by a mission in missions organization to go to China and do some pastor's training and some, some leadership stuff, which is incredible because in China, it is actually illegal to go to church, to read your Bible, to profess Christianity. So Pastor TJ is in these underground churches teaching and leading pastors, and I am so proud of my husband. I won't cry because I'm not really a crier, but sometimes I tear up a little bit when I talk about him. So um, I get the incredible privilege of being able to bring you guys the word. And just let me tell you, in true God fashion, every time I stand up here to speak, God's always like wrecking my life. And so I am speaking this to you today out of something that God has continued to teach me in this season of my life. Let me, let me ask you guys something. How many of you guys ever feel like completely over your head in life? Like, Life, thank you, good, I am not alone, thank the Lord. This is like my first week, my husband is overseas, and I have a four-month-old at home, and I'm supposed to preach a message that is like inspiring and encouraging and all of these things. I'm like, how the heck am I going to do this? So I'm, I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed, and have you guys actually, have, have you ever done this, thought, man, I really want this certain thing in life, and then when it actually comes to it, you're like, okay, maybe I didn't want that. So a couple years ago, I really wanted a dog. And I kept telling TJ I wanted a boxer puppy. I was like, TJ, it's so cute. Like, it can sit on the couch. It can snuggle with us. Like, they're so adorable. He, and TJ's like, Sheila, those dogs are hyper. I'm like, no, ours will be, like, cuddly and lovey. And, and I really, really want one. And I, like, wore him down. How many husbands have wives like that? Yeah, probably all over the place because we just keep going until we get what we want. And so I'm like wearing him down. And one day he's like, fine, let's go to the pet store and we'll, we'll check out the boxers so you can see what they're like, Shayla. And I was like, okay. So we go to this pet store and we sit down in like this little pin and they bring the boxer puppy in and he gets in the cage and all he does is run around and bite me. The whole time, it's like, <laughs> just biting all over me. And I was like, no, no, no I, don't, I don't want a boxer puppy. I don't want a boxer puppy. And we look up into like the little kennels and there's this one dog that's like laying down sleeping while all of the other dogs are like acting crazy. And TJ's like, what's that dog? <laughs> and they're like, that's a Great Dane. And I was like, bring that dog down here. And he just cuddled up, curled up at my feet. It was so sweet. So I was like, TJ, that is the dog that we want. So we went to a breeder, and, and we got 
our Great Dane. And he was the cutest, sweetest little puppy. He is 120 pounds now. Okay, so the other day, I am sitting on the couch, and Preacher, which is his name, he's the preacher in the family, decides to, to climb up on the couch and sit on top of me. I have a dog that weighs more than I do who thinks he is a lap dog. I literally could not, I couldn't make him get up. He slept like that for 20 minutes. And I couldn't get him off of me. But how many of you, it's a funny picture, but sometimes life feels exactly like that. <laughs> Man, like life is, is bare, you can take the picture down because all people are going to do is stare at it. But sometimes life really does feel like it's overwhelming and overbearing. And we can't just break free from it and we can't get out of it. And I don't know if there's any of you guys that feel like I do, but sometimes I just feel like I can't even breathe with the weight of the things that are happening in my life. And today I want to talk to you guys again about a journey that I've been on and something that God has been teaching me, and that is how to win the victory when we're facing battles in life. How to overcome when it seems like life is just bearing down on us. When we get the bad doctor's report, when something's happening at our job, when there's relationships that are failing, how do we gain victory when all we do is feel overwhelmed and defeated? And I want to talk to you guys about a, a story that we've probably all heard, and that's the story of David and Goliath. But I'm going to take a little bit of a different perspective in this story today. And here's, here's what's happening before we pick up in the Bible, what's happening is the Israelites and the Philistines are at war. And they're both standing on these two mountains. And there's this, this one guy named Goliath, who is like the champion of the Philistine army. He is coming out every single day for 40 days. And he is taunting the Israelites. He's like, come on, guys, let's, let's see who can beat me. He is nine foot tall. And he has had victory after victory after victory. And he is just standing there taunting them. And for 40 days, these Israelite warriors won't even move because they're terrified. And then we have this guy named David who is out shepherding in the field, in, in his father's fields. And David's out there and he's, he's shepherding. Now David is anointed to be the future king of Israel. But he's shepherding in these fields and doing what he's supposed to be doing in that moment. And as he's shepherding, God is teaching him so many different valuable lessons in life. And I just want to pause for a minute and say, you might be in a season where it feels like everything is mundane. It feels like you're shepherding, you're just standing there, you're just doing nothing. And let me tell you something, in those seasons, God is teaching you so don't try to get out of that season. Say, God, help me to learn in this season. And so David is out there shepherding, and his dad tells him to go take some food to his brothers on the battlefield. And so David, 17 years old, probably about as tall as I am, goes out to deliver food to his brothers. And he sees this big giant that continues to, to taunt the Israelites. And we're going to pick up in 1 Samuel 17, 32 through 37, and it says this. So when David approaches, he goes, don't worry about this Philistine. 
See, he actually, he's already in the presence of Saul because he's already told all of the warriors, like, I got this. Why are you guys so scared? And so the king hears about it and brings David before him. And so David is talking to the king of Israel. And he says, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There is no way you can fight this Philistine and probably win. How many of you guys have people in your life like that? There's no way you can do it. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When the lion or bear comes to steal the lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. Man, David is like no joke. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. David's kind of like getting cocky. I like to read it with a little attitude. He has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. See, David knew exactly who he was. See, David could show up with confidence because he learned when he was a shepherd that God came to his aid every single time. And while he knew he was a shepherd, he also knew he was a killer because he had seen God rescue him time and time again. And I think as we face challenges, as we face giants in our life, as we face the hard times, we have to be confident in who God made us to be. See, there's one thing that I think is so important as we face challenges in life, and that's the first thing, which is this, is to know who you are. It seems so simple. Yet so many of us have continued to take these cues from the world and we're really confused about who we are and if God even loves us or cares about our situation. But see, David knew exactly who he was because he knew who God was. And the Bible actually tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I think there's a whole lot of us that are walking around and we're really confused about who we are. And we are living in fear and worry and anxiety and we're overwhelmed by the things that are happening in life because we haven't yet discovered who we are. You know, one of the things that I think is one of my favorite things about Coastal is that we do a Discover class. And discover is all about how to understand the unique gifts and talents that God has given you. It's all about understanding your personality, your spiritual gifts, and your passion, and how to take all of those things and to really understand who God created you to be. And if you're walking around and you're confused or you want to know a little bit more about who God created you to be, check out our discover class. We actually have it tonight. We'll plug it a little bit right now, but we have it tonight at six o'clock. There's childcare, there's food, so there's no excuses for you not to be there. But when we begin to discover who God made us to be, it makes the biggest difference in the battles that we fight. See, I think a lot of times we, we give ourselves these labels because of how we feel. 
right? Maybe because of what people have said about us. Maybe it's because of our past mistakes. Or maybe it's what we think about ourselves that's begun to define us and hold us back from the victory that God has for us. And I think as we've given ourselves these labels, it can be things like, I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm stupid, I'm worthless, I'm fundamentally flawed, I'm a failure, I'm dumb, I'm incapable, I'm inadequate, and the world is continuing to scream, you are hopeless, you are useless, you're not good enough, you'll never measure up. And let me tell you something, your identity What you know about yourself precedes activity. Your identity precedes activity. And so what you think about yourself produces the activity of your life. What you believe about yourself produces the activity of your life. And when you believe all the negative things about yourself, guess what? You act that way and you're timid, and you're fearful, and you're discouraged, and you constantly live this life in this defeated mentality because your identity leads to your activity. Because your identity is tied up in how you feel and how you think about yourself, and your identity has been connected to the lies that you've believed about yourself instead of what God says about you. Because let me tell you, God says that you are an overcomer. He says that you are victorious. He says that you are forgiven. He says that you are free. He says that you are loved. He says that you are chosen. See, God says amazing things about you. So why do we believe the lies that the enemy continues to tell us? See, if we want to win the victories, we first have to know who we are. See, just... Knowing something doesn't matter. See, knowing something is great. But then you have to actually live that out. Which leads me to my second point, which is after you know who you are, you have to actually be who you are. And listen, this message is simple, but just the knowledge of something doesn't change anything. It's the application of the knowledge that does. And as we begin to apply the things that Jesus says about us, if we apply knowing that we're already victors, if we apply knowing that we're overcomers, if we apply knowing that we are chosen and not forgotten, then the activity of our life begins to change. Because we have to be who God says we are. In 1 Samuel 17, 38 through 40, we're going to pick it up again. And it says, Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. I don't know what mail is. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these. He protests to Saul, I'm not used to them. So David took them off and he picked up five smooth stones from a stream and he put them in his shepherd's bag. And then armed with only his shepherd's staff in the sling, he started across the valley to fight this Philistine. See, Saul, who was supposed to be out there fighting the battle with his own armor, but is sitting back scared and fearful tries to put all that on David. 
And there's so many times in life where people who are discouraged, people that are overwhelmed, people that have been beaten down will try to begin to put all of that armor on you. And they will try to tell you, because I haven't, you can't. And David realizes, "Uh -uh -uh uh-uh-uh, I'm going to be who I am. Because I know who I am. Get this armor off of me. Give me my sling and a few rocks. That's who I am. And some of us need to begin to know who we are and then to be confident in who God's made us to be, to take off the armor, to take off the things that other people have said about us and to pick up our own weapon and begin to fight. See, when I was, when I was younger, I was a tomboy. I know, looking at me today, you can't even imagine that I was a tomboy. But seriously, you know, even when I was like three, four years old, I wanted to be a boy. Like, I would literally, I would see people down at my grandpa's shop not wearing a shirt. I'm like, no, mom, don't put a shirt on me. Mm -mm, I'm a boy. And I would, I have pictures of me climbing up in a tree, pictures of me climbing a tree with only shorts on. Because I wanted to be a boy. If I would have grown up in this day and age, man, I would have been confused about my identity. But that's, that's a whole other sermon. But I wanted to be a boy. And I remember when I was like 12 years old, we were going to church. And my mom said, Shayla, you're going to put on a dress. And I said, no, I'm not. I, don't, I wear basketball shorts and a T-shirt. She said, no, Shayla, you're going to wear a dress. And she put me in a dress and I was like kicking and screaming. So I get to church, and I do what I always do. I'm, I'm going to play with the boys and the other kids. And so we get there, and we're playing Mother May I, okay? Everybody remembers Mother May I. So we're playing Mother May I, and I have on my dress. And it's, you know, like, touch your nose. You know, Mother May I touch my nose, and everybody's touching their nose and all that stuff. Well, the next one, it was giant step. And they said, okay, take a giant step. And I went, Whoosh. my dress ripped straight up the back. And they didn't even say, Mother, may I? Like, so my dress ripped straight up that, the back, and I went to my mom, and I was like, say, Mom, this is why I can't wear dresses. I don't wear dresses. I am a tomboy. Just let me be a tomboy. And I was so mad at my mom. But even from a young age, I was learning, man, I'm just going to be me. I'm just going to be me. When I was in high school, I remember one of my good friends coming to me and going, Shayla, are you ever going to wear makeup? I was like, why? I don't care. And I might be put together today, but let me tell you, if you challenge me to anything, I will take you down. (laughs) As long as I know I can win, okay, because I'm competitive too. But the most important thing I think we could do is know who we are and then to be who we are. And let me tell you something. Being an approval addict and a giant slayer usually aren't compatible. And if we're walking around trying to please people or let people put things on us, then we're not going to overcome the victories that are in life because you can't do both. And it's not that we don't need people because we do. We do need people. 
People can be our greatest weapon, but we need people in our life that have faith in God and have faith in us. You know, I, I saw an Instagram post. It was actually from Nemo a few weeks ago, and it was a quote by Babe Ruth. And it said, the loudest boos come from the cheapest seats. And let me tell you, sometimes the people that are the loudest, the people that are most discouraging are the people that are least invested in your life. And if you want to begin to slay the giants in your life and to be an overcomer of the things that you're facing, you have to be surrounded with people that believe in you, that aren't trying to put their armor on you, but they're encouraging you to be you. And to move forward in those things. In Proverbs 16, 25, it actually says, there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. And there's, again, a lot of people that'll say, well, do this or do that. Are they invested in your life? Because if David would have walked out there in Saul's armor, it seemed good to Saul. But let me tell you, David wouldn't have slayed the giant because it didn't fit him. Don't try to walk around in an identity that does not fit you. I think once we know who we are, and we begin to be who God made us to be, then we have to begin to fight. And I realize that in life, that there's a lot of times when I'm facing things, and honestly, I'm scared to death. Anybody, anybody with me? Like, I'm overwhelmed, I'm scared, I, I don't know how to do it. I know who I am, I'm being who I am, but I am terrified of what is in front of me. And there is one thing that I've learned in life, and it's this. Do it scared. Do it scared. Listen, the whole Israelite army is standing up there terrified, and inaction doesn't change anything. You have to begin to do something. Do it scared. Then the last thing is this. While you're doing it scared, put your confidence in God and go. In 1 Samuel 17, 41 through 51, it says this. Goliath walked out towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at his ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll, I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, You come at me with swords and spears and javelin, but I come at you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies and the God of armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I'll give your dead bodies of your men to the birds and the white. Dang, David is just like, (laughs) and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with a sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. David's perspective is so good in this whole thing. As Goliath moved towards attack, listen to this part. David quickly ran to meet him. Now, I'm sure David was scared. I'm sure he was fearful. But you know what David did? He said, I have confidence in God. This is the Lord's battle, and I'm going to run at this fight and I'm not going to shrink back. So it says, David quickly ran to meet him, reaching into his shepherd bag, 
And taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone stank, stank, sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone. He had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath, and David used it to kill him and cut off his head. See, David ran towards his problem. And I think there's one thing that I want you guys to really notice here. Is that David put his attention on God and not Goliath. See, I learned that one way to overcome my giants is to take my attention off the giants and to begin to put it on the one who can slay the giant. And I have to lift my eyes off of my problem, off of my circumstances, off of my disappointment, and put it onto God. Because here's the deal, what we focus on, we magnify. And if you were to take a magnifying glass and look at something, what does it do? It makes it huge. And so many of us right now have been magnifying our giants. We've been magnifying the problems. And it's time for us to begin to shift our perspective off of our problems and begin to magnify the God who has the ability to give you victory in any situation. So take your eyes off your singleness. Take your eyes off your addiction. Take your eyes off the problem in your marriage. Take your eyes off of the challenges that are in front of you. Take the eyes off the problem in your job. Take your eyes off your financial issue or the problems that you're facing in your life and begin to put your attention to God. Because God is the only one that can bring the victory. And let me tell you something, he has never failed. And he never will. So I don't know what you're facing today, but I know that because of who I am, because I'm a child of God and you're a child of God, he has already given us victory over whatever we're facing. And when you know who you are, when you know that you're a child of God, when you know you're an overcomer and a victor because that is who God says you are, then you will not begin to fight for victory. You will begin to fight from victory. Because victory is already there. You know, this morning, we sang a song, and we're actually going to go back into it in just a few minutes. But the words of this song are so powerful. And it said, I will not fear, for you are with me. I have seen this fight from the victory. See, there's things that we're facing right now. There's maybe a diagnosis that you've received. Maybe there's a relationship that's failing. I don't know what your situation is, but when we begin to, to magnify God, if we can begin to get this perspective that says, I see this fight from the victory. It changes how we process through our problems. 
It changes how we view things in life because we know going into it, there's victory on the other side of this. I don't see it, but I'm fighting from victory. And so we're going to go back into this song in just a moment. And as we do, I want you to to take that giant, to take that problem, to take that challenge, to take that discouragement that you have in front of you. And as we sing, I want you to begin to look at that situation from the perspective of victory to declare that your God is bigger, that you don't have to fear that victory is the final result. Because this morning, listen, we're all worshiping something. We're either worshiping our problem because that's where all of our focus is, or we can begin to worship God. And so I want you guys all to stand up. And I'm going to have the band come forward. And I want you guys to really declare the words of this song. To believe it with everything that you have. To believe that your God is greater. That there's victory even though you can't see it. Let's sing this morning.